What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff Show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Atlanta, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas Podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, we're back on a Wednesday afternoon edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast. I am now joined by one of my favorite NFL writers, it's Dalton Miller. Dalton, good evening, afternoon. What? I don't even know. It's raining outside. It looks like evening. It's whatever it is. It doesn't matter. Dalton, how are you? It is afternoon. Uh, we are past 12 o'clock, and I am doing okay. I got my little nap in after you know my early wake up to go to work. Got my nap. I'm going to mow a little bit, and then I'm going to build a PC, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. I'm not a napper. I was never a napper growing up. Naps are terrible, in my opinion, because they <laughs> ruin uh, your entire night. I always end up... It messes up my sleep schedule for days if I take a nap. Naps sound great in theory, and they, they do feel good if you can get one in, but it wrecks everything else, and I, I, I'm just not into it. I, I, I'm very anti-naps. It's a strong take for me. You know, and, and I think that that's okay. I think that if you – like for, for naps, they're really difficult to get over if you haven't been trained pretty much to, to be able to take them. Like I never mm-hmm. really slept growing up. Um, but in the army, you, they kind of talk, teach you like, you got to sleep when you can get a minute to sleep and you have to be able to get up and go at any moment's notice after that. So I've actually become somewhat of a professional nap taker. Um, and that's helped me in my time now because I do wake up at three forty in the morning. Uh, I have to work at five downtown Dallas and I'm outside of there. So I got to drive there. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I have to, you know, become a professional at that. Um, and really take my time and, and tweak it to where it works best to where I'm not asleep at 6 p.m. <laughs> there you go. Uh, 3 a.m. Wow, you've already had a 12-hour day, essentially. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I don't know if I could do it. That sounds uh, that sounds exhausting. But um, you know what else sounds exhausting, Dalton? Dak Prescott and the Cowboys talking about contracts. Because I... I think that's just what's going to be the the main headline out of Dallas for the foreseeable future, at least 15 years from now, is like whether or not Dak is going to get the money he wants from Dallas and whether or not Dallas is going to get the contract they want from Dak. Um, What is your best estimation as to what's real and what's fake when it comes to Dak Prescott and the Cowboys? So the the Chris Sims report that Dak Prescott's camp as for you know, forty-five million dollars or whatever it was for that final year, uh, 
turns out that wasn't true. At least that's what Dak's camp is saying. And we haven't heard anything from the Cowboys organization saying that, you know, Todd France or anybody at CAA had asked for that. So that was a little bit weird to hear that. But at the end of the day, like it would make sense for him to make that much in that final season, because I think once we get to that point, you know, the the world kind of gets back to normal salary cap is going to shoot up. It's going to be right, you know, at the end of the the current TV contract. So we think at least that there's going to be a massive TV contract when it comes up next time. Um, and the NFL salary cap, I mean, we're seeing $10 million increases right now, you know, year over year. And we might see 2030. 50 in that first year after that TV contract. So it makes sense for him to to want that fourth year and not want a fifth year, or if he does get the fifth year to have it have that price increase. But um, I, I work at 105.3 The Fan here in Dallas doing video stuff, and they had um, Charles Robinson on this morning. And he said, you know, it kind of seems like it's either going to get done by July 15th or we could see a Kirk Cousins t- style uh, issue here where we have him for two years and then he is gone at the end of those two years. I certainly hope that's not the case. Um, but it does seem like with everything that happened in the past, um, he was apparently offered a the deal that he originally wanted or that CAA had asked for prior to last season. And then last minute they flipped and didn't take it. Um, and, and I think that, and Charles Robinson said that it seemed like the front office was hurt by that and hurt by Dak Prescott's camp. So there's a little bit of, of not bad blood, but a a sense of, you know, you kind of hurt us there and now we're going to stand firm and we're going to be, uh, hard nosed and, and stubborn with this contract because, we're not going to let you or CAA bully us around anymore. Interesting. I just, I wonder too, um, when you think about Dak and where he is and where the Cowboys are, and right now I think FBI has him as the third best Super Bowl odds, we're like, I wonder if part of what Jones is thinking is that they think they can win without, they can win a Super Bowl without paying Dak the the long-term money. Do you think that's part of it where it's just like they think they can really do something in this window of time before having to really give him the the gigantic contract to make him the highest paid quarterback in football? Do you think that that's part of their thinking is that they kind of want to just get the ring so that they can move on and it be fine? I the Kirk Cousins comparison is interesting and I I, I don't know, is this is this also something that Cowboys fans are okay with? Like what it what is what are they saying about what's happening with Dak and the the Cowboys just negotiations? I think it depends on who you ask in Cowboys Nation. I, I think that the the blue collar worker um, who's been around, been a Cowboys fan since the seventies, and they're seeing all this new money come in, and they're like, "Why won't this dude take thirty five million dollars? That's ridiculous. He's not worth that much." And we have to understand that this is what the market dictates, and that's just the way that it is. Now, I think that for the most part. The further we go along, I think the more even the DAC fans or people that are on the fence or kind of in the middle of this are going to start to go towards the ownership side of this and really start to, you know, get salty uh, around or or with DAC Prescott because the further we go along, the closer we get to the the new league year 
and people going back to, to camps and, and getting out of this, you know, quarantine and starting up and they want their quarterback and they want their quarterback signed. They don't want to have to, you know, listen to first take and these, these, you know, radio shows talking about his contract every single day. Like at some point they want to talk football and, you know, a, a somewhat disturbing thing that I've seen from fans, it, especially in the NFL is we, we, we back these billionaire owners over these players. And yes, these these players are very well compensated, but these players have a very short shelf life to get their money. And Dak Prescott was a fourth rounder. Now, he's gotten money from endorsement deals and things of that nature. But at the end of the day, from a contractual standpoint, he hasn't made a ton of money. And these guys need to get their money in a three to five year window. Jerry Jones has been making his money for 30 years. And he's a billionaire. So it's troubling to me that the general population puts their allegiances in the franchise or the owner because that's really who they're backing in these situations over the players who have a fraction of the money that these owners do. What is your best guess? What do you think happens? Do you think he is signed to a long-term deal before the season starts or do you think that this ends – with him really playing out these last two years and then just being gone? I think that when we look back at Demarcus Lawrence and Ezekiel Elliott and Des Bryant, we've seen the Joneses kind of play this card before where they kind of push things back and push things back. I think that it's going to get done. The The real issue right now is between that fourth and fifth year and I think that they're going to end up eventually caving and going with a, a four-year deal uh, right around $175 million, um, or not $175, uh, my bad, um, $140 million, you know, right at, you know, around $30 million a year, um, or $35 million a year, and I think that's where it's going to be. Interesting. I um I would love to get some true serum from the Joneses on how they viewed Dak Prescott, because I I'd be fascinated to know what they really see there and where they actually think he he fits in the top quarterback picking order in the NFL. I would be fascinated. Um when you look at what this Dallas offense is going to look like this fall and that includes CD Lamb and um some new fresh gadgets on that offense, Kellen Moore returns. What do you think is going to look different about the way Dallas plays football this fall offensively? So I think we're going to see, hopefully we're going to see more play action, but I think one thing we'll for sure see are uh, more passes on early downs. Uh, This is a team who, uh, you know, I I was listening to Warren Sharp talk about this yesterday. They had a, a very low success rate on early downs, so first and second down, and then on third down were just willing themselves into first down situations, Dak Prescott converted a, a ton of really difficult, you know, third and six pluses last year to keep drives going. And I think that with Mike McCarthy, he's been a more pass happy guy uh, than uh, Jason Garrett was in the past. And, you know, Jason Garrett had his time with the Cowboys where he was really pass happy and it didn't really work out too well. Um, but I, I do think that you're going to see a, a higher volume passing attack early, running on third and shorts more than they did because they passed in a lot of third and short situations, just going against 
really what the analytics want you to do or tell you to do. And I think that with his time off, uh, Mike McCarthy's year off, um, you know, doing the the work that he did with PFF, I, I do really think that we're going to see a more analytical approach, um, throwing maybe less to running backs and more to uh, Blake Jarwin at tight end, or maybe splitting a guy like Tony Pollard out wide. Um, because, you know, if you look at the advanced metrics, you'll see like throwing the backs isn't very uh, efficient because of target depth and them coming out of the backfield. And it can be good for a third and two, but if it's third and six, either have them protect or have them run a route that's going to go past six yards and actually pick up a first down and not just be a random check down on third and seven that's going to get you three yards because that doesn't you know, um, accomplish the goal that you're looking for. Are you at all worried about Byron Jones being away in the state of the secondary? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm hoping that they're able to acquire a different approach and become more aggressive because I believe uh, they were like 25th in blitz rate last year. I would like to see them bring more guys more often. Jalen Smith's best attribute at this point in his career is his ability to rush the passer. I mean, I think that that could really help this team out because they're going to have to get creative in the back half unless, you know, for some reason or somehow Trayvon Diggs, you know, really steps it up as a rookie. Um, and, um, you know, some of the other corners, Chidobe Awuzie somehow turns it around um, and turns his head around when he's targeted and finds the football. I'm hoping that they go to some match principles. It's kind of, you know, the, the way that they've been whispering that they might go to, you know, a more match-based, um, aggressive-style defense instead of just more because they, they ran a lot of base zone um, and a little bit of man. So I, I just want them to disguise things, uh, run a lot more too-high shell looks um, just because it gives you more options. Interesting. Um one of the weird things about this Cowboys team is Barnwell of ESPN is very high on them. When you read different pieces about what the current state of this Cowboys team is and what to expect this fall, like they were just a really unlucky team last year, I think by all accounts, and they were a lot better than the record showed, but you have the Eagles sitting there. They've had a weird off season. I think they're going to be right there with the Cowboys, the Giants and the Redskins are both going to be bad. And like FBI, I think has the Redskins is the worst team in the NFC this year, which would not be all that surprising, but I also am lower on the Giants than I am on Washington this year. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just, I wonder because the saints make sense as the, the most likely Super Bowl team in the NFC um, per FBI. And then you have the Niners, which are number two and then number three, are the Cowboys. Does that make you nervous that there is a lot of hype and everyone's just buying into Mike McCarthy? They're buying into the um to keeping the coordinators, they're buying into just their um, really great draft and CD Lamb falling to them and just keeping a lot of their core pieces and a good offensive line and this, that, and the other. Are you at all are are you at all concerned? And also do you believe that they are the third best team or in that category with the Saints and the 49ers heading into twenty twenty? Well, you know, the third best team would make sense because this team hasn't made a a conference championship since 1995. um, And this would continue that trend if they were the third best team in the NFC. But 
You know, I, I don't know. I think that there's a lot of good football teams in the NFC. I think that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to be really good this year as well, um, as long as Tom Brady isn't completely washed, which I'm of the belief that he isn't. Um, they're either going to be really good or really bad. I, I just I, I find it hard to believe that they're going like seven and nine or nine and seven. Like I either this implodes beautifully or this is just incredible. Like I it just it's either going to be really depressing or really awesome. I, I just don't know which way it's going. Is that fair? Yeah. No, I mean, I I, I don't I just can't see a, a Tom Brady team be bad. It, it's just because it, it's never I happened. The offensive line before. Like I the think off- that offensive line is bad enough and Tristan Wirfs isn't the right guy or like if that offensive line implodes and Brady just doesn't have time to take some bad hits. I, I could see it. It not being yeah. entirely Brady's fault. Yeah. Um, and then on top of that, I mean, depending on whether you believe in Kirk Cousins or not, I think that that Vikings team is really talented. I, I think that the Green Bay Packers are pretty talented. Um, I don't think that they have the, the, the same amount of talent as the Cowboys do. And they honestly overachieved like like crazy last year to get to 13 and three. So at the end of the day, I mean, the Dallas Cowboys didn't win the division last year. The Giants and the Redskins really have no shot. And there hasn't been a repeat division winner since 2004. I expect that to continue this year. I I really do think, you know, I picked the Philadelphia Eagles to win the division last year. I thought that the Eagles and the Cowboys would both win more games than they did last season. Um, But I I do think that both those teams end up making the playoffs this year uh, with that added playoff team. Um, And I think that the Cowboys win the division just because I'm superstitious. And I think that the trend continues. What scares you the most about the Eagles? That defensive line. Mm. That defensive line is just so good. It's so good every single year. Um, And then, you know, obviously getting Darius Slay was big for them. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how the rest of that secondary kind of rounds out. Uh, but they did get that one guy that they really needed. Uh, it's just, uh, it's going to be tough to match up against the Cowboys, whoever your secondary is, um, if not impossible. So I, I still think that the the Cowboys are going to be able to throw the ball. Um, it's just if they're able to protect with, you know, a, an offensive line that's kind of aging, I'm um, in the left inside of that interior with Travis Frederick retiring and Connor Williams really not being up to snuff so far in his NFL career. That could be an issue. And, Is you know, Trent as a, a target there, I, I don't think so. Um, that would be weird. It, it would be. But if you could. It would all depend on what you could get for Tyron Smith, too, because he's got such a fantastic team-friendly contract. If he's able to get you some good assets, I could see them going for a a, a Trent Williams type who would be a little bit uh, maybe not cheaper but on a shorter-term deal, and they can kind of turn that around into an offensive line draft pick next year. But I I don't see them getting rid of Tyron. Um, And, you know, honestly, the the right side of that line is still fantastic with Zach Martin and Lyle Collins was better than Tyron was last year. Um, So I'm I'm really excited to see, you know, what happens, especially that O-line, D-line matchup between the Cowboys and the Eagles. You're you're looking at this draft, the 2020 NFL draft for the Cowboys. Mm Mm-hmm. What stood out to you? What did they get right? What do you think they got wrong? What do you what do you make of everything there? And what do you think will we remember about their draft three years from now? Honestly, I, I don't think that they really went wrong anywhere because I think that at least based off their board, 
they picked the guys that were at the top of their board, you know, regardless of position. So I, I think, you know, CeeDee Lamb, best guy on the board. Javon Diggs, they were thinking about taking at 17, um, and they ended up getting him at 51. They had Neville Gallimore just a little bit uh, below Trevon Diggs on their board. So those three guys, they really, really loved. Um, and then they they continued that with some of the other guys that they got. Reggie Robinson um, is a really toolsy corner, um, and they obviously needed secondary help. Tyler Bedish is somebody who was regarded as one of the top interior offensive linemen, if not the top interior offensive lineman going into the 2019 season and injury kind of hampered that, you know, we all kind of thought, you know, for the most part uh, that Bradley and I was going to be uh, like a third or maybe a fourth round pick at the end of the day. And they ended up getting him in the fifth. And then Ben DiNucci is a guy who I didn't watch prior to the draft, but after that, you know, after I watched him, like I really do believe that they found their backup of the future. And one of the big things with Mike McCarthy is he says he wants to draft your next quarterback. So even if he has one that he loves and is going to be the long-term solution wherever he's coaching, he's going to continue to draft quarterbacks because he wants to be able to flip those guys for assets in the future. Um, and I think that Ben DiNucci, his style of play, um, is something that in preseasons is gonna really turn some heads as long as he can turn you know turn the turnovers down and not be too crazy there. Um, but at the end of the day, three years from now, I think we're looking at one of the best drafts in Cowboys history. Yeah, man, that is, whew. that I mean, you can't go wrong there. And it just, I am just so excited to see the Cowboys and the Eagles this year. I just. It, I could sell myself on both these teams. I think they're both in great shape. It would not surprise me if both of them were were just awesome in 2020. It's also interesting because you brought up the third best um, being a just – it feels about right because they just never go to the conference championship game and everything. But I I love that third place teams are now getting a little bit of a bump with the new playoff format. Did you see the percentage odds when they were running the simulators on ESPN of like who benefits the most from the seven-team playoff system but the one the one seed obviously still has the best chance of getting to the super bowl but the number two seed takes a little bit of a hit but the number three seed gets a little bit of a bump because they Mm -hmm. might not have to play the two seed Um, they get to play the seven seed uh potentially and that gives them a better better roadmap uh to get to the conference championship game and a better super bowl odd in general so maybe that's a blessing for the cowboys is to be the number three seed not the number two this year yeah, I mean, it, it. I feel bad for two seeds now, um, but I think at the end of the day, at the very end of seasons, you know, teams might not really care all that much about one and two, but or they not they didn't used to because they had you know home field and that buy, but without that buy, teams are really going to fight to get that first round buy. Yeah, and I I think it just rewards more teams for doing things the right way and building the best possible team and. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm okay with it. I don't think it will be that big of a deal. I am, uh, I'm a, like, I just, I don't think many seven seeds are going to run the table. I don't think you're going to see the Mason Rudolph Steelers just throw a wrench into the NFL playoff plans. I just, I just don't. Um, all right, man. Well, this is, this has been great. I appreciate the time. Dalton, uh, what is your final prediction? What do you, what do you think for the Cowboys this fall? What's your record? Uh, 11 and five. Okay. Is that a win for Cowboys fans? Is that something they're okay with? I mean, it should be. Okay. 
especially after five, last year. Division, correct? Eleven and five wins the division. Yeah. Okay. Eleven and five will win the division. There you go. Um, because the bottom two teams, I think, are just going to be awful. The Joe Judge, Jason Garrett, like that, just whole staff and team. I just no. I sell all the giant stock, folks. Um. Anyway, Dalton, is there anything we should check out from you this week before we get out of here? Oh, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm going to have a, a piece about Tylen Wallace coming out for Pro Football Network. Um, other than that, man, uh, not really. It's kind of my off season a little bit, so I'm not putting out quite as much content. But I am playing Call of Duty Warzone, <laughs> and you can find me on Twitch at Dalton B. Miller, just like my Twitter. Go do it. Um, not a not a gamer here. All my roommates are, but I'm I'm not a gamer. Uh, but go do that um dalton thank you so much for the time we will have to check back again soon absolutely thank you thank you dalton this has been ingram radio voice of the atlanta braves and i'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the chase thomas podcast as a friend of the podcast i'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one to show your support for the program tell a friend or coworker, or even a family member about the program and if you're an apple podcast listener leave the show a rating and a review goes a long way that'll do it for me but don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 the fan and the braves radio network this season go braves nicely done nephew chase thomas podcast hell yeah nobody builds 5g like verizon builds 5g because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in america And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.